Good morning. I'm Aya Wimala, and today is Tuesday, the 12th of October. A rainy, gray day here. And we'll see if uh, there's some people working on the, probably raking up leaves. So we'll see. They might start running machines, and I may have to get up and close a door uh, so you can hear me. But we'll we'll give it a shot. Seems like a difficult day to be raking up leaves because we had a lot of rain last night. So we had a wonderful book group last night and we were finishing up Right Intention. We're laughing about the book we're reading. It's Bhikkhu Bodhi's wonderful book, The Noble Eightfold Path, The Way to the End of Suffering. And it's a small book, looks like a small book. And uh, we've been we've been reading it for months now, and we are reading the Eightfold Path. So we just finished last night, Right Intention. And as you know, that's the second one we study when we the standard way of looking at the Eightfold Path. So I had heard someone earlier in the day. Uh, announcing a speaker, it was on a YouTube program. They were they were introducing Bhikkhu Bodhi to an off off uh, uh, an audience, and the person who introduced him said, "I've been working with a study group, and we've just finished uh, a four-year study reading word for word Bhikkhu Bodhi's book." And we were laughing about it in our in our book group last night because we all felt the same way that this book it's there's so much there's so much depth to it and uh, the words are you know it's relatively it's an easy read but it's a deep understanding and there's so much there so we feel lucky if we get a page of the book read in a, in a one-hour book group. So we're enjoying it. I think everybody is challenged by how much there is, how much there is to get from these words. And uh, I think we're enjoying it. And doing it together is a wonderful way to tackle um, something so deep and rich. It's very much like uh, Rahula, uh, Bhante Rahula's book, uh, what the Buddha taught. So we are, we are moving through it. But I recommend that book, and I recommend you join our book group because it is, uh, it's a wonderful way to read through some. And people's uh, reflections on it and comments on it are wonderful. We're all learning from each other as we read and finding things that we weren't aware of or didn't understand completely that we're finding in this book from such a great teacher. So today, this is a, a beautiful story. So it's the story, today is 27, we're reading from our book on the uh, pilgrimage by the uh, Kawasakis who have been on many, many pilgrimages to India to see the sacred sites of the Buddha's lives and they've taken groups there and over the years they've compiled and put together 
A Pilgrim's Companion, and that's what I'm reading. We're on day 27, and I'm just reading the daily readings and the reflections. The book has a lot of different suttas that take, that move through uh, periods in the Buddha's lives that are impactful, and typically when people make a pilgrimage, this is what they're, they're working with the Buddha's teachings as they go. So, this one is day, we're on day 27, as I said, and the reading is Kisa Gotami. And this is, a, this is about one of the, one of the very earliest uh, Buddhist nuns, bhikkhunis. And her story is very, very famous. So, Kisa Gotami came, I think it's getting a little loud. I'm just, uh, excuse me, I'm going to stop and close the door. We'll miss the sounds of the birds, but the sounds of the lawnmowers won't be disruptive. Kisa Gotami. Kisa Gotami came from a poor family in Sawati, and she married into a prosperous family. She was not well treated by her in-laws until she had a son. While her little boy was just a toddler, he suddenly died, and Kisagotomi was distraught from grief. Unable to accept that her son was dead, she carried his body on her hip, asking for medicine to restore him. Some people mocked her, but a kind man directed her to the Buddha. The Buddha instructed her to fetch mustard seed from a house where no one had yet died. In the course of her impossible quest, she became calm and understood the inevitability of death. Leaving her child's body in the charnel field, she returned to the Buddha and asked to become a bhikkhuni. In no long time, she attained arahatship. And that's uh, arahat to become an arahant is uh, when a when a bhikkhu or bhikkhuni becomes enlightened. One morning, Venerable Kisa Gotami dressed, took her bowl and robe, and entered Sawati for alms. After eating her meal, she went to the blind men's cave grove, and sat down at the foot of a tree for the day's abiding. Mara, the evil one desiring to arouse fear, trepidation, and terror in her, and desiring to make her fall away from concentration, approached Venerable Kisa Gotami and said, Why now, when your son is dead, do you sit alone with a tearful face? Having entered the woods all alone, are you on the lookout for a man? Venerable Kisa Gotami wondered, who just spoke to me, a human being or a non-human being? Realizing that it was Mara, she replied, I've gotten past the death of sons. With this, the search for men has ended. I neither sorrow nor weep, nor do I fear you, friend. Delight everywhere has been destroyed. The mass of darkness has been sundered. Having conquered the army of death, I dwell 
without defiling taints. Hearing this, Mara realized that Venerable Kisagotomi recognized him, and disappointed, he disappeared. That's Samyutta Nikaya 1.3. And Mara, we often call this, um, he was a, 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 was a deity, but he was also, he's also used in Buddhist teachings to represent uh, the, the one who would come and try to dissuade someone from doing the right thing. And uh, he was a tempter and tempted the Buddha um, as many times came to him and said, you know, kind of like uh, Satan tempting Christ in the desert. And he would, he would tempt the other people as they were <clears throat> uh, maybe at a crossroads where they, he thought, oh, maybe I can lure them away from this path. I want, I want them to be on my side rather than this other side. And uh, there are a lot of stories. And we often think of Mara as like that internal, uh, that internal questioner, that tempter within us. Psychologically, that's that voice saying, why are you doing this? Why are you, why don't you just, you know, relax and have fun? Why are you bothering to, to think about defilements and think about, uh, things that aren't aren't fun to do. So uh, he's the tempter. So when he listened, when uh, when Kisa Gotama, Gosami told him, I'm done with that, he recognized that she had recognized him and disappointed he disappeared. And here's our reflection. So you can sit and be in a meditation posture and just close your eyes and see if this reflection speaks to you. And this is from this is from the Terigata, which is the book of the poems of the first bhikkhunis. So this is a, a more traditional uh, translation, and it's uh, a, it's from a, the very famous book called Terit. That there's a book of the the first nuns, the Terigatas, the elder sisters, the elders. And then there's also the Terigata that are the stories of the, the uh, male bhikkhus. Reflection. So just let this, let this percolate with you. No village law. And this is by the poem of Kisagotami. No village law is this, no law of a town, nor the law of a single family. This is the law of the entire world, inclusive of the Dewas. And Mara was uh, a Dewa. Inclusive of the Dewas, that is impermanence. No village law is this, no law of a town, nor the law of a single family. This is the law of the entire world, inclusive of the Dewas, and that is suffering. No village law is this, no law of a town, nor the law of a single family. This is the law of the entire world, inclusive of the Dewas, 
and that is non-self. So these are the three things that we know are true for all conditioned beings. Impermanence, suffering, and no self. And that's what we're always working to understand and realize. And uh, these are the realities that we want to accept to be able to live in the world peacefully and happily. That's a, I like that poem. So why don't we sit now? I'm going to take a sip of this. And we can be with those, those three truths, the truths of impermanence, and there, there is suffering in the world. All conditioned things are impermanent. And there is no uh, eternal self that we take with us from life to life. We're always changing. We're always new. We're always something, everything, every part of our body, our thoughts, our mind. So letting go, one of the, I think letting go of that uh, self-identification is one of the real, the beauties in the Buddhist teachings. We can begin to see clearly the more we let go of that. Sometimes we, we may call it ego or um, just a permanent identity, a fixed identity. That's, that's always shifting and changing. So let's sit. Let your body be lifted up, no matter what posture you're in. Walking, sitting on your back, uh, we can feel the spine lifted up. And it immediately feels, we feel more awake. And notice how it gives your body, your lungs and your abdomen, you know, all of your body, all of your organs have more room. When we allow the body to breathe, it can feel, we can feel that the lungs are just naturally taking in more air. It's a good way just to feel more awake and alive is just to allow your body to kind of stretch out. And be aware of the body breathing. Be aware of your body right now This may be evening when you're watching this, or it may be early morning. And just move through your body, being aware of how you feel. And these feelings are just feelings of like the physical body. 
We often do a body scan. We'll do kind of a very, very short version. Just moving through the body. You can feel, notice if there's tension in your body or tightness or pain. When we work with feelings in meditation, we, we notice pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. So all of the feelings can go into those one of those three categories. Notice if part of your body feels healed or feels better than it usually does. Notice if you're noticing a discomfort somewhere that you rarely feel. Just allow yourself to be in touch with your physical body. We can often be living in our heads. Kind of rushing around in our minds without being aware of the body with it. Just keep being aware of the body breathing, just your normal breath. But let your first focus be on your body, your physical body. And if your mind becomes distracted, if it's hard to stay in your body, if it's hard to just be in touch with your body and how it feels, just come back to your breath and stay with your breath. You don't need to focus on pain or unpleasant aspects. You just want to see, take a visit through your body. You may feel like you experience pain all over your body, 
but there may be certain days or certain parts of your body that aren't painful. Be aware of that. And you may notice if you practice this uh, body awareness, you may notice that walking meditation feels better for your body than sitting. Or you may notice that if you're on your back and can lift your knees up or have some bolsters to uh, help support you, you may find that you have a lot less pain and it makes it much easier to practice or just to be comfortable. Whatever you discover It's always good to check in with our bodies. And any feelings that you notice, you can just label pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And if it's a neutral spot, it might just bear more observation. Maybe it's only neutral because we haven't really paid attention to it. And if you need to change your posture when you're practicing an awareness of the body, you'll know, you'll know where you might need to make changes in your posture to align yourself so it's a more comfortable experience. And when you finish really feeling like you've been exploring the feelings in your body, you can just come back to your breath 
and just breathe. Just be with awareness. Allow your thoughts to come and go. Something may arise that wants your attention. If your mind feels calm and clear, you may want to investigate that, something that may arise frequently, or maybe it only arises when you're very relaxed and in your body. You may want to investigate it. You can accept it. It might be something you need to look at. You need to, to study from different angles. But be accepting of it. Don't think of it as good or bad if it arises in your mind. Just imagine yourself being very curious about it. Just looking at it from different angles. Don't overthink. Don't become analytical. Just observe whatever arises.
Now our time is up for today, so we can send merit. But you can keep meditating, and if you have more time today and there's something arising that you want to look at, you can remember these, these steps. And I think there's a lot when our body becomes relaxed and we're comfortable with it, and we can sit, we can see there might be things that arise that we need to address. It, things may come up that are not always pleasant, of course, but it's a good time to practice this investigation. But do it gently and only work with it as long as you can just be curious about it and looking to understand it, not trying to lay on more stories about it. Just see it. Recognize it. And then when you when there's when there's enough, then you can just come back and go back to your breath and uh, let go of any tension that you've created. So may everyone be well and happy and at peace. May everything we do and say and think today be done for our benefit, but also for the benefit of all sentient beings. But the world needs this and we need this. Send loving kindness and be of benefit in all that you do. Thank you. I'll be back again Thursday.